Hi everyone and welcome to the Offsite Podcast where we give you our raw and honest takes on hot stories at the intersection of construction and technology. My name's Carlos and I spend every day talking to construction teams about how they deliver projects. And I am Jason and I spend all day building software that construction teams use to deliver projects. Today is our first episode, super exciting, but we're totally new to this, it will probably suck, but let's see how we go. I don't know what to do it's with my hands. <laughs> yeah, also sweating, right? Uh, extra romantic as it's Valentine's Day and I get to stare at a six foot seven Australian man for the next 30 minutes. So Complete accident, me. yeah, well done. In this episode, we're gonna be, we've got three topics. The first is about the line, which is the sort of major aspect of the Neon project over in Saudi Arabia. The second, there was recently a bomb that actually went off on a construction site over in Yarmouth. And we'll be finishing up talking about two mega tunneling projects. Sydney's Western Harbour Tunnel, which recently had a massive change in construction methodology, and Femon Link, a huge project connecting Denmark and Germany. So, to kick off with the line. Massive scheme, $500 billion. Some of the stats are crazy. The sheer scale of it, the line itself is a 170 kilometer long structure. It's 500 meters tall, 200 meters wide. And I read just the other day that one section, the world's biggest cruise liner can turn around inside of it. Every contract that seems to get let on that project is like the world's largest, I saw like the world's largest tunneling contract let and then like the world's largest hydrogen plant contract let. The scale of the project is hard to um, comprehend. I think I saw on LinkedIn in terms of people, because I think we'd see people getting sucked from all over the world onto that project. Um, already there's something like for the client side uh, Neon project, there's something like three and a half thousand people on, on LinkedIn on that, in that company. Do you see like lots of people getting taken over to that project? Yeah, it seems to be a real problem with particularly senior leads on within contractors at the moment. So seeing lots of people duck away from either major projects or major contractors. Across um, UK, Europe, definitely I've seen in Australia. Yeah, presumably they're having to do the old shift working like Australian mining type jobs where you're going over for. I think it's a long term fly in fly out normally, like uh, three months on, maybe two weeks or a month off or something like that. What's super interesting for the project, I was reading the project value is something like 500 billion pounds, and then they expect the project to contribute something like 48 billion to Saudi Arabia GDP. And I think they said create like 300,000 jobs. But when you think about that and you go like, from an investment perspective, you're like, look, if, you've, if you're investing 500 billion and you're increasing, like GDP would be equivalent to say revenue, so let's say you increase your revenue by 48 billion, say generously 5% profit, net profit margin on that. So you're making uh, a couple of billion uh, a year. Sense. I think the payback period is like 200 years on the 500 billion outlay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. luckily that sovereign wealth fund is, uh, yeah. is pretty big. I've got some stats here. I was talking to someone who works with one of the major contractors there at the moment. And um, just over the next 24 months, 54 million cubes of earth to be excavated, <laughs> 48,000 piles to be installed, 20 million cube of concrete, and six and a half million tons of rebar. Where do, where do you even start? How do you manage that? Yeah, where do you even start? It's uh, the, you. They, it must be. Uh, it must be by breaking it down into some pretty massive, like EPC contracts. I don't even know how you would coordinate that size of uh, a project. We've seen a lot of how like high speed two 
operates. Mm. Um, but this is like almost order of magnitude larger, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, they say here HST is sucking up everyone, but just to deliver that alone, and that's just the groundworks for the line, which is only one section of Neon. Yeah, yeah. HS2 is building a rail line, Neon's building a country. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they claim 9 million people will live in the line, which is pretty nuts. It's Did like I read correctly that it's only 200 meters wide? 200 meters wide, 500 meters tall, seven, 170 kilometers long. Unreal. Yeah. Say you had to go there as a project manager or even in your background as a quantity surveyor, how do you even think about the delivery of that project? Yeah, like first principles type. Like you, you would have to use, just to bring on like the technology, you'd have to use technology in almost every aspect of the delivery of the project because Scale. everything, like you just think about like the projects, if you think like quality records or anything that, uh, on a lot of projects today are still like heavily paper-based. The amount of like paperwork for quality lots being closed out, material yeah. compliance records being approved. Yeah, if you think about any process on a normal construction project, that would be stressed if you pushed it to like billions of pounds, if we use pounds as the, the marker. Things that like you would have seen on Crossrail that were like, this was a lot of extra work because of how big the project was. Where you suddenly take, if you compare an individual section of cross, uh, cross rail that might have been a couple of billion pounds, and then you project that to what, like $500 billion, so like hundreds of billions of yeah. pounds, you, almost everything that you would have had to do would have had to leverage technology to remove any of the repetitive busy work. Yeah. Like you used to tell me about what you'd have to do for like subcontractor claims in a spreadsheet yeah. on Crossrail. Yeah. You amplify that by a factor of 10. Do you think they as an organization will dictate technology across supply chain? Or do you think it's gonna be contracts, delivering their contract in the way that they're? Well, I don't know, like the, I guess the root problem is if there's 10, 20 times as much work to do, do you get 10 or 20 times more people? Yeah. Are there that many people that can deliver? Because yeah, at the yeah. same time that this project's being delivered, you've got High Speed 2 still ramping up in the UK. The amount of work happening across Sydney, Melbourne, Australia, and they're like, they're still a fraction of what's happening in the entire world. So the demand on experienced people, there's only so much that people can poach people from other projects. Yeah. So, yeah, you take any process that you would have had to do on HS2 in a spreadsheet where you'd spend, I don't know, per subcontractor, a couple of hours a, a month or a week and then you times that by hundreds and hundreds of quantity surveyors it's just the amount of time that would be wasted if everything wasn't totally efficient the um the odd return on investment calculations for software will be nuts on that project yeah yeah the the <laughs> you save x number of hours per person times by seven thousand people <laughs> yeah. in this role yeah um well i'm hearing that there are certain aspects that they are trying to procure as client in terms of software. So it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next couple of years when the groundworks and piling really start to kick off. There's a lot of there's a lot of American contractors seem to be in there, and I don't know if there's a lack of major infrastructure projects over there or it's just too big to ignore. But it'll be interesting to see yeah, how it's actually delivered because the scale is you can't get your head around it. And imagine like 
we see a project now and they've got 200 engineers, a bit of cadence or routine around 200 engineers is a big jump up, let alone having seven, probably even 15,000 people in terms of white collar office stuff, let alone the, well, you'd expect hundreds of thousands on site, wouldn't you? And there's like certain methods in construction that are more progressed. If you took like the, if you assume they took on like the bleeding edge of tech, like what's being used, there's lots of projects or big earthworks projects that are tracking truck movements and volumes by weighing the, the loads and tracking volumes. Yeah. And um, like I know there was a case study for a project uh, in Australia that CPB are delivering that is, um, that is doing exactly that, kind of treating like an earthworks project, like a mining site. So you could, say mm. like they would do that to save a bunch of like the amount of earthworks dockets and records of like material being moved would be unreal yeah but then once you get to something like foundations piling installing rebar constructing the i don't know how tall does anyone know how tall this line is 500 meters 500 meters yeah tall pretty much as tall as the shard no and it's, it's completely mirrored Can we well. fact check that, Chloe? But let's fact check it. Um, oh, however tall it is, right? Like, um, it's 200 meters, it can't be 200 meters wide and 500 meters tall, that's uh, It's that's 200 true. meters wide and 500 meters tall. Oh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that's no way. But, but that, that's the average. So the part by the ocean I mentioned earlier, you can put the world's biggest cruise ship into the middle of it, and it can turn around and then drive off. That's the port thing. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's still like encased within. But once you, so once you, okay, yeah. But I guess my point was like, once you get out of like earthworks and you get into like the construction of foundations or the probably concrete structure that they're gonna build, I don't know what the method yeah. is. The amount of people tying rebar, booking concrete pours, supplying concrete, like. Tying rebar in the desert. Yeah, I just, it's, it is mind boggling and if you were to do like quality records, like checklists and stuff, that all has to be digitized because the amount of paper, there's just like, you'd need that cruise liner to carry the, the paper records. Yeah. There'd be that many like being generated. There must be a, you said about obviously getting the bleeding edge tech. There's probably a lot of new tech which will actually probably struggle due to the scale of it, which isn't tried and tested, right? Yeah, yeah, massively. It's gonna be buying dreams and then probably a few of them being crushed immediately. Well, I think I think everyone in construction's had this like experience where they uh, get told to use a piece of software and then they, you know, someone in the company or project's been promised this outcome and, uh, you know, it doesn't exist at the moment, but we'll deliver it as a result of you yeah. buying it. And then that never works out well. It's, it's infinite, it's incredibly difficult to build yeah. good software. I remember um, those days. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. Last week, I think it was on Friday, a World War II bomb, a 500-pound bomb, went off on a contractor's site. And oh, it, it went off. Yeah, yeah. You've got to check out. This I video. thought. I thought I read that they found it. Right, oh, no, show me. So this is. Oh shit! Yeah. That's that was cool. a controlled explosion. It was the the police investigating it and sent in robotics, but they didn't mean to actually set it off. That's it accidental. Off yeah, it went off. Holy. And so how, do we know how they found it? Um, no, but it's a site where they're building, I believe it's additional crossing over um, the seven. Um, yep. And uh, yeah, they obviously 
discovered it. Luckily, when they discovered it, they didn't set it off. But it's obviously ha yeah, for if, sensitive. If, if the police couldn't uh, disarm it without accidentally setting it off, I don't know how you possibly yeah. like dig next to it or on it or hit it or whatever and don't. So some. What happens then? Like HSE come in. Yeah, shut 100% down. shut down police in. And then I think the police organize the like controlled excavation around it to expose whatever they need to expose to disarm it. And by the looks of that that we just saw, it looked like they'd possibly taken some action to mitigate the risk of explosion by kind of like building. Yeah. So hopefully the contractor just found it, located it, informed the police. And it's not the contractors now sort of they might not be in the wrong at all because it, it was the police that were actually in there when the bomb accident Oh, 100%. So thankfully, it wasn't, there shouldn't have been labour forces in the area and things like that. That's some, some people were extremely lucky. Yeah. You wonder how something is that sensitive. Yeah, it's been there for 60, 80 yeah, years. Yeah, people walking and playing and whatever yeah. over the top of that. Pretty That's crazy. one of the things that you get building in London, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have any, has that happened on any of your previous projects? Uh, no, but I was on an HST scheme where they found a 60,000 body graveyard. 60,000? 60,000. 60, um, I say found. What's I think worse? they knew it was there, but I don't think they knew the extent of it because they were sort of on top of each other. But then they shut down the site for, it was years, and they hand dug out every body and moved it to a new grave, which is... So to play a game of would you rather, <laughs> would you rather the bomb or the 60,000 body graveyard? Ah, oh, the bomb you can carry on a week later. <laughs> <laughs> Assuming uh, everyone's safe, of course. But uh, no, I don't think a bomb would be a, a nice thing to discover on anyone's site. That's no, for sure. that's unreal. Right, so into a bit of a meteor one. We've got two major tunneling schemes. We've got the Sydney Western Harbour Tunnel first. Do you want to talk a little bit about the methodology change there? Yeah, so I think I saw we saw in the news that the, the Western Harbour Tunnel contract was let recently and it was let to Aciona. And surprisingly, I guess for some people, maybe not surprisingly, the approach was changed substantively to the contract award. So originally the, the scheme was designed to be a immersed tube or like a submerged segment um, construction, um, I guess similar to a project like for Marmbelt. Then in Aziona's submission, the proposal to change it to a, a bored tunnel. Um, and this is for traffic or rail? It's a road tunnel. Road, okay. Yeah. The reason for the change was that there was a, a bunch of concerns relating to the original design with the immersed tube. The first bit is to do that construction methodology, you essentially have to dredge the sea bed, or right. in this case, the harbour bed, in order to, to prepare. prepare the surface. And dredging is terrible for, like, the environment. environment and biodiversity and uh, aquatic life. Um, and then the other thing that they needed to do from memory was build, I think, quite large cofferdams at each side um, in order to, I guess, launch the segments pre-cast. I think they were possibly pre-casting some of them out there. Right. There was like also disruption to the local community. The new method will take longer, I think, two, three years, something like that, longer. It's a TBM? Yeah, TBM. Uh, they have a special cutting head that is designed for, because it's kind of um, terrible soil. Th so the original design was a submerged segment because of how bad the, right, the conditions okay. were. And so this is essentially going back to uh, a method that like, for people that don't know Sydney, there are currently a massive number of uh, tunnel projects happening there across West Connect, which is a road project. 
Sydney Metro, the rail project and, and the Metro West project that's starting now. So I guess board tunnels are probably a core competency for a lot of people that are in the industry there. So that's probably a positive. Environmental positive, but obviously adds a couple of, what I think is a couple of years to the um, completion date. Do you think, what do you think about the demand belt and like whether or not those risks and concerns that sort of push the change away from? Yeah, so I wonder if it's slightly different because it's under sort of a sea and it's not a harbour in a congested city effectively. But they're doing what effectively was the original plan. So they've got, I think there's seven. So for those who don't know, like the Fermanbelt Belt project, um, yeah, you, know more of it, you know more about it than me, but um, it's connecting, is it connecting Denmark to, yeah, to so Germany? It's, it's Denmark to Germany. Um, it is effectively, it's the method of sinking segments. Yep. Again, for 80, my, for my 220 so meter long segments. 80, right? 200, okay. So and each massive. segment is made up of two road tubes, two rail tubes, and an emergency tube for evacuations. Right. And they're syncing these, they're all identical, so they can mass produce them. And then that'll connect the two sort of portals that they're building at the moment. Um, How far away is Germany and, and Denmark? By memory, it's something like 10 to 20 kilometers, but it's, wow. it's 80 times 220 meters. Yeah, yeah, so I'm, I'm, <laughs> whatever I'm, that I'm comes out that. to. Um, I've got a question to put you on the spot. Right. Do they sink the segments? Don't ask me how they build it. Do you reckon they're sealed at both ends and then at the end they break through all the segments rather than sink them and then, because that's a lot of water to pull out, right? Couldn't sink them if they were sealed though, because they'd be full of air. So oh, they they'd must, float, wouldn't they? Yeah. There we go, that's a good one. I can so you reckon that. they seal at the end and then pump the water out? Must do. Because that's a serious... How do they line them up? That's the question. Especially in the sea, which is going to have tides and everything else going But on. I think that's quite deep. There must be something that guides on one that you land the other one into, that guides it into position. Yeah, it could be like a jigsaw, right? It could have interlocking. Yeah. The podcast where we speculate on construction methods. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to get someone on who actually knows what they're talking about. Um, but yeah, for, for that region, it's a massive time saving in terms of travel, obviously reduce CO2 from reducing the long way around, which is something like over 100 kilometers saved in terms of driving time. And yeah, a high speed rail that's going to be 200 miles How do you, how you can drive, a, oh, you can go across to... You can sort where? of go west and go all the way around. Um, it's the Baltic Sea. So you go from Germany through the Netherlands. Yeah, exactly. And then up into Denmark. Right. Um, so it, it cuts the normal requirement for someone to probably fly, if not have a pretty long car journey. Wow. And so that project started when? They started four or five years ago. They started really cracking on with things like concrete and um, their main works about 12 to 18 months ago. We should probably disclose that like, uh, as Apex, we work with them. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So we work with them. They're, um, yeah. Yeah, and they are really ramping up over the course of this year, and they are due to open, I believe, in 2029. And so. how many, is it a joint venture? Yeah, so there's a big, um, there's something called the Fairmont Link Contractors. Yep. It's a JV or an alliance, which includes Demi Group, Vinci, Bashi, BAM, and one or two others. Right. So massive sort of joint effort, rather than letting individual contracts, it's one huge contract, but and a larger yep. sort of alliance um, delivering it. What's the, like, project language do they yeah so they, talk they, to people? they speak impeccable English better English than than I do half yeah. the sites that we go I speak here. Australian so it's fine <laughs> yeah yeah that's your own language but no they're uh, they're really good um, so the products obviously in English the supports in English the trainers in English and 
they were great. So, so there's like there's a there's a German side, and uh, yeah, and so the the Danish portal and the German portal. Okay, um, and they it's all English. There's no like there's the German team. Yeah, yeah, they should sure. have it into project soccer matches, or is it football <laughs> matches? <laughs> they could probably put one in the tunnel. <laughs> right <laughs> after it's been dewatered. Yeah, 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 yeah. Got it. Um, so I have absolutely no idea how to wrap up a podcast, but today we've gone through bombs or bodies, how to sink tunnels, underwater football, and tech needed to remove busy work. Three, hopefully, pretty interesting topics there. We or got two, depending um, on how many make the final cut. Yeah, I'm not or sure one. our bomb discussion was in depth enough to call it a, uh, a topic, but maybe Don't a bit of a news the, update. You can't <laughs> reference the segment that you cut, <laughs> then it gets put in. Yeah. Um, but. I have no idea how to end the podcast, so thank you very much for listening, and um, yeah, we'll be chatting again soon. Thanks. Uh, your first uh, hosting session, Garth, was yeah amazing. Well done. Thanks, mate.